I believe, I believe it's time for us to begin to manifest the promises of God. And what I mean by that is it's nice to talk about God's goodness and his promises. And I do believe we're always going to have uh, uh, times where we're not totally fulfilling those promises. We're always reaching for that next one, the next thing that God has in store for us. No doubt about that. But some of y'all have been waiting for God to do some things for a long time. And it has not happened yet. It's time to manifest. Matter of fact, let's all say it together. It's time to manifest. In other words, take what's been inside of us for so long and see it come to pass. I was listening to um, a podcast, and, and the podcast was a, a well-known guy that, uh, if I said his name, you probably know who he is. Over a million listeners, one of the biggest in the business, and, and I was listening to him, and he doesn't know the Lord at all and uh, believes in evolution and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, I was listening to him because of a particular broadcast that he had on, but he was talking about... Um, he was talking about, he, said, he was telling his guests, think of it, man. Think how powerful the human race is. He said, we're the only species that we're aware of anywhere that literally has the power of, of their imagination. They can actually think something up in their head, and then if they put a little work behind it, if they just actually begin to work out what they believe or what they feel or what they're imagining on the inside of them, they can actually manifest it or bring it to pass. I thought, my God, he's preaching a message right now. He doesn't know the Lord, but he knows the principles behind what's ma which makes people successful and their dreams to come to pass. How many believes they have a dream from God and it has not yet manifested? Let me see your hand. But you believe you have something from the Lord. A lot of you in this room do. Some of you probably have seen some, uh, some things have manifested, but not entirely yet. And so we're believing God uh, for you as well. Well, when he said that working it out, that part, the missing part that most Christians don't get, it's not enough to imagine something. God gave us the capacity to imagine something or to renew our mind to something that God's saying to us, to think differently. It's not just that. We have to have faith. Everybody say faith. faith. We have to have faith. And faith is not just believing. Uh, believing is a component of faith, but it's much more than that. Faith is actually working out what you believe or working out what you see on the inside that maybe nobody else, nobody else can see. And the Bible says faith without works is what? It's dead, being alone. So in other words, you've got to put to, you've got to, put to practice the things you believe by doing them or by working them out, fleshing them out, the word of God becoming flesh. That's how we see manifestation. That's how we see your dreams and things come to pass. Whether you're believing God for business, uh, relationships, you're believing God for um, for material goods, maybe somebody need a new car or, or house. Those are things you need in life. All of that can manifest if you understand the principles. Let's start here with Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Proverbs 13, 22. And it says this, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, immediately, immediately you'll try to make the scripture fit into your thinking as I do. When I read the scriptures, I, I, I'm, I'm taking things personal. But then what we try to do is take what we read from the word of God and, and we try to fit it into the way that we're thinking. But when it comes to the word of God, church, it's your thinking that's got to come up to where the word is and not the other way around. So let's read it again. It says this in Proverbs 13, 22. It says a good man, that could be a woman too, leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now we all get excited about that last part of the verse. 
the wealth of the sinner. Mm -hmm. He's making that money, but it's been actually laid up for me because I'm the righteous, praise God. And I do believe that there is this, um, there is this idea of a transfer of wealth that's coming into the people of God's hand, no doubt about it, especially because we're living in the last days. And we're going to need the wealth to be able to propagate and to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ and to build churches and to build God's kingdom on, on planet Earth. You would agree with that, right? So we know that there's sinners right now that may have control of that wealth, but at some point, it, through our faith and our believing and our enduring and our building our character, God's going to see it fit to trust us enough to put it into our hands as well. And I believe that, but that's a great hip hip parade type of the scripture, right? But we leave out the first part of that scripture that says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And again, we want to fit that into our thinking. Let me just tell you right now, a welfare-driven entitlement society, kind of like we have today, especially in America, would like to throw that verse away right there. And the truth is, the reason why is because most people that feel entitled to something don't want to work for it. They just want it to come free. They want it to be, I'm talking politics right now. I'm just talking how people think. And this generation coming up, they have incredible skills. You guys are amazing. Uh, we love you so much. and We think you have better skills than we do moving into the future. But one thing, You'll have to learn to get, get to where you're called to be and to your destiny. You're going to have to learn to work hard and understand nobody just gives you something for free. And if you'll do that, God will bless you and promote you. Come on, church. Amen. So we're not talking about some sort of entitlement that we have in the world system, but because we are the righteousness of God in Christ and because we have certain uh, inherent rights in the kingdom of God, we can have an inheritance. And I want to kind of show you how that works. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Not just money, but that's a part of it. Acts 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his grace, which is able to build you up. The word of God is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So the word of God will build you up. It gets you stronger. It encourages you when you're facing dark times. You, all of a sudden, the Word of God, you're reading it. All of a sudden, you go, man, I just believe God's able to do something here. I know that it looks bad, but I believe God can turn it around. So it will build you up. But also, the Word of God will give you an inheritance. When I read that scripture, it's, oh, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this makes sense for Proverbs when it talks about a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Not just for me and mine, but also for my grandkids and so on and so forth, right? And I started seeing the pattern here. In other words, it's not what I have in the bank account right now. It's not about how much clothes I have or the cars I drive or the, the, the estate that I have or the house I have to pass on to my kids and my children's children. It's not, those are some things, but they're not the all the entirety of what God's saying here. But what he is saying is this, is it's not, not the things that we can see, but it's what's been laid up by inheritance in his word. In other words, whatever God has promised you, you got to find it in his word. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, everybody say all scripture. All is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word doctrine and reproof kind of bring it all together. The word of God brings, it's for doctrine and for reproof. Doctrine means instruction. So the word of God instructs you how to live. 
instructs you where to live, why you live, and all the purposes of God. But also reproof means correction. So not only does God's word bring instruction, but it brings correction to our life. It's not always when we get God saying, whatever you want, honey, oh, I know. He want, he's not going to spoil you like that. In other words, he's going to bring some correction to your life to help you. I wrote this down. Let me read this statement to you. If you've never been corrected, then you are off course. Because a captain knows that he's got to make small corrections with, with that wheel. Why? Because he knows that the waves are trying to drive him. The wind is trying to drive him. That storm is coming now and trying to drive him. To get him what? Off of his course so he can't meet his destination. So he's got to make small corrections along the way. And the Holy Ghost, by way of the Word of God, will make small corrections. In your, if you allow him in your life to keep you where? On course so you can get to your destiny. Come on, church. I'm sort of strapped to this thing. I want to run, praise God, but I can't go anywhere right now. So, so look, we live in a time where people don't want to be taught. They don't, don't tell me nothing. I want to live my life, do what I want. It really is the spirit of rebellion. It's the age of this world. Don't want nobody to tell them nothing. I was like that. Some of you were like that. Some of you still like that now, praise God. But the truth is, they'll say things like, you know, I'll take a little of this, preacher, but I ain't going to take none of that. I like what you're saying over here, but I don't like any of that over here. And we begin to pick and choose. When it comes to the word of God, you got to believe it all. From Genesis to Revelation, make up your mind that his word is true. Is, is correction fun? No. Does correction feel good? No, it don't feel good. But every now and again, like my, great, my, my grandmother said, you got to get a, a little rat-a-tat-tat. Come on, somebody. Get a little correction. Amen, my little Italian grandmother. She's this high, but I'm scared to death of her. Praise God. And, and why? Because why? To make you a better person. To keep you on course. And a little bit of pain now will save you from a whole load of pain later on in life. Pain you don't even want to endure. Can I get somebody to say amen to that? I've watched people uh, walk out of, uh, of a service. I'm hitting the point, and sometimes it's just they got to use the bathroom. But when they walk out five times, come on, during the service, praise God, you know you're hitting something, amen. And they got to get up, and they're, not, they're antsy, and they just got, why? Because you're bringing some truth into their life that they're not feeling comfortable about. And I get it. I was that guy when I was back sitting. I didn't want to go to church. And when I did go to church, I was up and down. They said, Prue, you were thirsty. I was really thirsty today, praise God. Why? Because they were talking about me. They didn't know they were talking about me, but God was all over me to bring correction in my life. Now, when it comes to God's word, God's word has got to move from just information to a place of revelation. In other words, you can't just read the book as a good book. The Bible can't just be a good book, and it is. It can't just be a, a, an historical book, and it is. It can't just be a book about great stories. Oh, wasn't that a great story about Noah? Yeah. That was a great story about Abraham. Yeah. How about Moses? Oh, that was David. Incredible. Yes, it's true. There are good stories in it. But it's much more than that. The Bible, the Bible, the Word of God actually says of itself that it is alive. It really is teeming with life. And when you read that story or read that historical account or read that message or that one scripture in the word of God, literally it becomes alive to you. And I've noticed something. You can read the Bible over and over again, maybe the same scripture over a thousand times and something happened. After that 999th time, that thousand times spoke to you like it, and you're just like, my God, I've been reading the scripture forever, and it never, I never noticed that it said this. Why? Because the word of God is alive, and the word of God is progressive. So it knows where you're at in life. Ten years ago, you didn't need to hear that, but today you do, praise God. And the word of God is saying, listen to me. 
I've got some insight or revelation for you. It's not something I learn. It's not even something so much I observe. It's so much I receive. It's called revelation. What used to be hidden now is revealed and it's been revealed to me. Now when it came to this, uh, the, our church, we were a small church, a um, um, young church, and we began to grow and we were in a school building. And I'm teaching the stuff that I'm teaching you right now. I'm, I'm teaching it. I'm hearing it from others. I'm looking to see what the scripture says about it. You always got to go back. Don't go by somebody else's word. Go back to the word of God. I'm seeing, I'm seeing line upon line, precept upon precept. And we're in a place in our ministry where it's beginning to grow. We're in a school building. And so now it's becoming more expensive because we're, we're renting the building more often, having more services. And, and then we had to have it for our, um, our classes because you know, your kids outgrow one room. You got to have another room. And then, then we had extracurricular things happening. Then we had through the week. And then we had um, our, our team, music team. Next thing you know, you know, we're using this building like it's our own and we're paying a lot of money to do it. And I thought, you know, this doesn't even make any good sense. We need to get a building. Now we're under the age of three years old. And, and so banks don't look at you until you at least got three years on the books of history so they can actually see, you know, kind of your history and, and if you are able to get a loan. And, and, and usually they want a certain amount of people that can back that and so on. And so our church was, a, was a, a, again, a growing church. We maybe had about 100 members at the time. And, uh, and we had lots of visitors coming in and out. We knew it was time. So what I did was I said, okay, Lord, I, we know it's time. I put together uh, what I would call a confession. For those that don't know that, what that means, it's not like the typical, like when you go to the, um, the confessional box at your Catholic church where the priest hears your, your sin. That's not the, what this is about. It's about uh, breaking down the scriptures with your prayer, what you're asking God for, and finding scripture to back it. And then you begin to put that, you list that out and begin to speak that word. Every single day, you pray a prayer unto God. And so I thought, you know what? Let's have the whole church join in on us. So what we have these little screens, these little television sets we had that were, that were bungee cord to a couple of pieces of equipment. And, and, uh, and we had our little screens up there. And so, all right, everybody, we're going to read, our, read our, 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 our confession together. Hey, visitors, I know you're visiting today, you know, the whole thing. But this is what we do. We're believing God for, for a building. And every single time we met, Thursday night, Sunday morning, we would confess our scriptures about our building. We confess scriptures out of Deuteronomy like um, that God was going to give us just like he gave uh, the children of Israel a place. He's going to give faith builders a place. He said that he'd give them wells they didn't dig and vineyards they didn't plant and houses they didn't build. So Lord, we thank you for the church building we're going to get that we didn't dig or we didn't plant and we didn't build, but you got it waiting for us. And we're asking for plenty of parking. We're asking for rooms for our kids. And we started confessing this. We did it over, over and over again. Then we started going out and doing the homework and actually going looking to see where a building might be and um it was getting really close and i thought lord we we, we had to do something it'd been about a year we've been confessing maybe a little under and i said you know i want i want you to show me i started studying i said lord your word proclaims that everything that we need is in there so if everything's in there that we need then that means our building is in your bible and he said, what, what, do you, what do you mean? I said, I wasn't quite sure even what I meant by that. But it came out of my mouth. And because I knew everything was in the Word, everything consists from the Word of God, that must mean that the building is in the Bible. I want you to show me where our building is in your Word. It was a Thursday night. We had gotten there early for something. And um, I felt like God was going to speak to me about this, what, he, what I prayed about. So I grabbed my Bible, had a little office off the side of the, of the stage, 
I grabbed my Bible, opened it up, and I said, Lord, speak to me. What you said that you would, you would show me this building. The word, where is it? I heard the Lord say, turn to Mark chapter 11. I did. I want to share this with you because what didn't exist, you're sitting in right now as a result of finding his promises in his word. Mark 11, 2. And he said to them, Jesus said, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say this, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door, door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to, said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they, they let him go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the, on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread, their, uh, spread them on the road. And then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We just celebrated Palm Sunday a couple Sundays back. Now, you say, well, okay, pastor, now, you said there's going to be a building in there somewhere. I'm going to show you how God works. I did what you did. I said, well, Lord, you sent me here. Where's my building? He said, read it again. And it's just like the Lord making you read it again. So he said, what did I say? Well, it says here, you said, go into the village opposite you. Just like that. Spirit of God said, he said, how easy has been been finding this, this uh, building? I said, it has not been easy. He said, I'm telling them to go into the place that opposes them. It's opposite them. I'm sending you the same way in a place that opposes you. You don't have enough people. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough credit. You don't even know where the building is yet. He said this, he said, but I'm sending you there anyways, and when you enter it is when you'll find my provision. So you're going into a place of opposition, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt. And I'm tied up, and I knew exactly what he meant. In other words, the colt was the provision for Jesus. The colt represents the building we were believing God for, but had not gotten yet, because it was in the place, someone, someone here today, because it was in the imposing place, and it was all tied up and it didn't belong to us come on it belonged to somebody else come on church he said when you find the cult when you find the building and you will loose it and bring it to me sometimes you got to get in a spiritual warfare and you got to bind on earth so it can be bound in heaven and loose on earth so it can be loosed in heaven you got to get involved in the spirit come on somebody say amen but it's there, but it's not in the easy place. It's in the opposing place. It's there, but it's entangled. It's all tied up, but it's still yours nonetheless. And he said, people are going to come out and they're going to say, why are you doing this? And you say this. You don't say Jeff Pruitt has need of it. You don't say Faith Bills has need of it. You say the Lord has need of it. This ain't about you. This is about me. Come on, somebody. So they loose the cult. And they let the cult go. Now watch this. Did the cult belong to them? No. In the spirit, did it belong to them? Yes. In the natural, it was a big no. In other words, I said, the Lord spoke to me and said, how much did they have to give for the cult? I said, well, Lord, I mean, to be honest with you, I was kind of kidding around. I go, they stole that cult. He goes, and you're going to get a building for a steal too. Come on, somebody. I said, my God, it's right here. And then he said, once you steal that colt, come on somebody, 
and you bring it to me, he said, then I'm going to put my leg, I'm going to sling it over that colt, just like I did. He said, I filled up the colt, and then that colt was led in by my disciples with me on top of the colt into Jerusalem. In other words, it's not about your presence, but my presence is going to fill the provision. I'm going to step into that building, and when I do, you're going to be the one that's going to lead me, come on, in Milwaukee, and they're going to come out and say, he's Lord, not you, but he's Lord. Come on. Woo. Your answers are right in the book. So when you hear that we're to lay up an inheritance for our children's children, we don't have to reason it. We have to accept it. But it doesn't sound right because I don't have enough. I know you don't. But you still got to accept that it's God's word. And then you meditate on that word until that word becomes a revelation. Until it's light and darkness. Until it becomes an insight more than it does foresight. And the best foresight is the people that get the word of God as their insight. And then it changes your thinking. And then it changes your imagination. Now your imagination runs wild with all kinds of possibilities. And that's what you want. We cut the imagination off like it was a childhood thing, but we need to keep the imagination. God gave it to us so that we can imagine something better than we have now. And then we work it out by not only with our actions, but also with our tongue. We must speak the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get radical now, and speak the word. When you're working on something, just speak the word and the word only. Until it becomes what? Manifested in your life. So the question is, how far can you see? How far can you see? Look at Genesis 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you what, church? Which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. So the Lord spoke to him and said, look, Take a look from where you're at. In other words, he's saying, Abraham, quit looking at where you're at and now start looking at where you're going. Anybody can look at the finger, oh, man, I got a long way to go, right? But he said, now I want you to take a look from where you're at. Look north, look south, look east, look west. He said, I can see a long way. He said, as far as you can see, the land will be yours. So were the people, by the way, were there people on that land? Yes, there were giants on that land. There were people that were, that, were, that were not giants, but there were also people that were just, they weren't going to give up their land. They already were there for generations. Yes, there were people on the land, but who did he say? Who did God say it belonged to? Abraham. Abraham. Why? Because he could see it. Yes. And even though this building belonged to somebody else during that time, by the way, we didn't take it from anybody. God made it available to us, but it wasn't ours. We didn't build this. This building was not built for the purpose of a church. It was built for Star Wars and Jaws 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 12. All of them. Come on, someone say amen. Rocky and all that. that that's what it was built for. It wasn't built. It was not built to have a church. But guess what? It may have been entangled, but God said, no, now I want you to have it. Same thing with Abraham and the same thing with you right now. Look at verse 16. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. In other words, I'm not going to give you just a few children in your old age. I'm going to blow your mind. In other words, God is a God of abundance. He doesn't do something small. He does something grand. He does something huge, so big to where you can't take credit for nothing. 
All you can do is give God the praise and say, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. It is, a, it is, it, it is an untapped, inexhaustible supply that God lays out for each and every one of his children if they'll believe it and put it to work. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Some of y'all come to church because it's the country cup thing to do. Some of y'all come to church to hang out with your friends. Some of y'all come to church because you don't want to be afraid. You're afraid that God is going to get you if you don't. Let me tell you what you come to church for. You come to church to get instruction until it becomes revelation inside of you, until it changes your life. You don't live your life this way the rest of your life. I'm preaching real good now. Every suffering that man has, God has given a supply for it. God has already offered the answer to every bit of lack or every bit of suffering in the world. This planet has been stocked with everything you're ever going to need. Amen. The problem is we don't see it. And the reason why we don't see it is because we're looking for the harvest and not the seed. And the seed is not attractive. And the seed looks like a limitation and lack. Because one seed is hard to eat that and get a lot of meal out of that. Yeah. And so the temptation is to take a pocket full of seed and go, you know what? I just need something to eat right now and try to eat the seed. By the way, when you eat a seed, it's pretty bitter anyways. So never eat your seed because it's always going to be bitter. The seed isn't meant to be eaten. The seed is meant to be sowed. So you put it in the ground, so, I mean, then, but you walk it out by faith. By faith, the, 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 the farmer plants the seed. He doesn't know how the crop is going to grow. He doesn't get the science behind it. He just knows if I plant this sucker, I'm going to get a harvest. One seed could give me over a thousand seeds if I just do it right. If I just put one foot in front of the other, daily doing what God's asked me to do, be patient and wait, all of a sudden, I'm going to get a harvest. So when you're looking for the abundance, look for the seed to plant. Is this too deep for y'all, y'all? Jeremiah talks about the fact, well, let me just tell, let me, let me back, back, back it up. The Bible says, the Bible says that God, one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh. And people say, well, that means his provision will be seen. It's deeper than that. The word seen means revealed. His provision shall be revealed. So I told the first service, like this ring uh, on, on my finger, and it's there, right? But if I got it veiled, you don't know what's under there. You know my hand's under there, but you can't see anything that's under there, right? But the moment I strip the veil away, you can see the ring. You can see what was there the whole time, but you were unable to see it because it was veiled. That's what revelation does for us when we get into God's word. It strips the veil away so we can see the provision that's already been provided for us. He called himself, he called himself uh, uh, Jehovah Jireh when he took, when Abraham was told by God to take his only son to Mount Moriah, Isaac, and there sacrifice him. And he tells, he tells his servants, he said, look, we're going to come back. He said, me and the boy are going yonder to worship, but we're coming back. He knew that Isaac wasn't coming back, but he had faith to believe that even if he had to go through it, God would raise him from the dead, goes up into Mount Moriah. There he goes, and you know, Isaac must have gotten nervous because he said, Dad, look, I've been doing some calculations, a little math here, and uh, I noticed that we got a knife here, and we got some wood, we got a little fire, but where's the sacrifice? Because we ain't got any meat. You know, I think he's getting nervous. He said, the Lord will supply. 
The Lord will provide. Hey, Dad, uh, you know, we're halfway up the mountain now. I'm just wondering, not a little bow and arrow either. Even catch or trap, uh, um, uh, you know, you know, we got the fire. We got the wood, like I said a minute ago. And then we're going we're gonna to go to the altar. I've been to the altar before. And, uh, you know, I noticed you have the knife. I'm just wondering, where is the sacrifice? The Lord will provide, right? I mean, he had to get pretty nervous when finally he gets all the way up there. Hey, Dad, uh, uh, I noticed you're binding me to the altar right now. And uh, I was just wondering here. I mean, can you imagine the fear? And the, and the sorrow that was also in Abraham's heart. He's just about to take his son's life. And, and the angel of the Lord appears and said, stop, don't do it. The Lord sees your heart. Look over yonder. There's a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Jehovah Jireh has come by. Look, if we just keep putting one foot in front of the other, walking up that mountain, it is arduous. It is tough. But if we keep carrying out the duty God's asked us to do, God will supply. His provision shall be revealed. The ram was there the whole time. He just couldn't see it. But he saw it at the exact moment God opened his eyes. So how far can you see? How far can you see? Verse 17 says, Arise. Walk in the lamb, Abraham, through its length and its width, for I give it to you. The phrase, walk in the lamb, is the word sojourned. And sojourned means this. It means to walk around like you own it. It's not walking around going, oh man, I just well, I hope this I hope my life changes. I just hope something happens because I, I need something to happen pretty quick because it's bad out there right now and I ain't got enough I ain't got enough money to pay, take care of my bills. They're gonna repo my car. And they can say my health isn't very good, and I've got my mama's health not good either, and I got the cats thrown up on the rug, and you know, and it's just tough out there right now. Right? Right? That's what we do. We go through all this stuff. No, no, no. It's to walk around in life like you own it. In other words, it's not, it's not, it's not pride, it's a sense of I know my daddy's in control of it all and at the right time he's going to let me get come on have a piece of that action it's the enemy's job it's Satan's job to shut down any insight any revelation that you're having it's quite like this that's why we got to be careful because the moment you get revelation you got to guard it and, and, and do some spiritual warfare and say devil you're not having this truth because now it's in seed form. And all the potential you need now is on the inside of you. And what the devil's going to do is try to steal it from you, rip it off, get you discouraged, and to get you to do what? Get you to see what's in the natural. Get you to be reminded of your, your, your circumstances that you're going through that you don't have enough. To look around and all you see is natural sight. That's what he does. He will get you dependent on seeing what's in the natural and it will cut off any supernatural that's trying to come your way. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, where there is no insight, the people cast off restraint. You're supposed to see something, guys. We have to have insight. We've got a revelation. So when you go into the Word, don't, well, that was a nice little story. You don't know. I would much, people say, well, I read, I read an hour of the Bible today. Good for you. Good for you. I would much rather you read, I read, take one verse and meditate on that for one hour and get that so in your spirit that's like, my God, nothing can take it away from you. You know that you know that you know that what he's saying to you is the truth. 
because we're supposed to see something that the world can't see. And if we want Milwaukee to change, if we want uh, this, our cities that's plagued with problems to change, we got to see something the government here does not see. We got to see the potential, not the violence, the crime, the poverty. We got to see something bigger and better than that. We have been, we've been sent by God to alleviate the suffering and to lift the curse off of our city and replace it with the kingdom of God where there is no shortage, there is no scarcity, nothing but abundance and promise. We are designed to function by revelation and we were made to live in the atmosphere of heaven. That's why Jesus said when you pray, pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven, heaven can come to earth. The will of God is to be performed on earth. God wants to make a difference. And when you're still struggling, then the world will struggle because we're the answer. Guys, the government is not our answer. Get it through your head. Well, we got to vote the next guy in and the other guy out and all this stuff and do your civic duty. And I'm all for that. But if that's all we're doing, that's not enough. We got to believe God to change some things and he's going to use you and I to do it. Revelation compels you to believe. You can't see it and doubt it at the same time. The moment you see it in here and you know that you know that it's real, it's very difficult to doubt it. It's now inside of you. It's immovable. And even though circumstances come up against you, you're still moving forward because you know the truth that lies on the inside of you. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the little g God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Think it not strange that the enemy buffets you or embattles you. Think it not strange when you're getting attacked on the left and on the right and, and, and people that you could trust all of a sudden, you know, they're talking behind your back and what's going on? Think it not strange. Why? Because the enemy's always trying to come against you to get you to see with your natural eyes all the problems that are going on. That's why he said, Abraham, quit looking at where you're at and from where you're at, where I'm trying to take you. I can't get you when your head is down to get to your destination. You're going to have to look and go, oh, there it is. That's where I'm supposed to go. That's how we're supposed to live because the little G God, Satan's specialty, his job, the way he's formatted his entire kingdom, kingdom of darkness, is to blind the minds of God's people. Notice that's why the word of God comes to renew our minds because it's constantly getting filthy with all the stuff that's happening in the world. So he blinds, Satan comes to blind our minds, not our eyes. Because you don't see with these puppies, you see inside here. And what's in here is more real to you than what's outside of you. Amen. Ephesians 1, 17 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, not your natural eyes, but the eyes of your understanding being filled with light that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And I wrote this down and said it in first service. I'm going to say it in second service. You're not broke. You just think you are. And the more you think you're broke and you ain't got enough and you'll never have enough, the more broke comes your way. 
We have programmed ourselves with that nonsense. Yes, in the natural, you may be going through a tough financial season or a tough health season or whatever, but it's not meant to last forever. Don't buy into it as if this is my life. Now, that's not your life. He promises an abundant supply, a well-stocked storehouse, the Bible says, ready to rain down upon his children. Do you remember Elijah? And Elijah was sent to the widow's house. And he said this woman had nothing. Interesting, and God sends this prophet to a woman who's got nothing. And he, he actually said, I, God said, go to this woman's house, for I have provided for you there. She ain't got nothing. And he says to her, please get me a little water. She takes off to get him water. And, and, and he stops and says, hey, also, would you make me also a little cake that I may eat? Now watch this. She stops dead in her tracks then. The water was easy because there was enough of it. But the cake took faith because what she saw, she knew she didn't have enough of it in the house. Not enough oil, not enough flour. So he says to her, he sees the look on her face, and he says to her, fear not. Why? Because fear blocks you from abundance. There was no shortage. She just didn't know that God was going to do something supernatural with what she had. So she had a little bit, and she took it and made it. And he promised, he said, the flower will not run out before it, rain, it rains on the earth. You will have plenty. And she had plenty to eat for the rest of her days, maybe for the rest of her life, but we know until the, the rains came. So in other words, there was, there was no shortage, but she just couldn't see it. Listen, when you can see it, you become unstoppable. Because once you see it, all doubt goes. Isn't this a good word, church? Yeah. It's time to manifest some stuff in our lives. Come on.